I'll invite you to turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. I, uh, I have in my heart and have had for the last several days, um, to, um, uh, to share with you some things about the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. I, I don't, um, I, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, to be honest with you. I don't really have a series planned or anything like that. I mean, it's obviously a, an easy thing to teach a series on the, the manifestation of the Spirit because there are nine different, um, manifestations that are identified there in first Corinthians chapter chapter 12. So you take each one and define them and, and show Bible examples and so forth. So it's, a, it's an easy thing to do. And we've done that in times past, but I don't know that that's what I'm going to do. I really don't know what I'm going to do with this. Um, I've got a couple of things that, that are on my heart, but I just really feel more than anything else. I just feel impressed by the Holy Ghost to go this direction. So believe God with me and we'll, we'll go down the path that the Lord wants us to go and see where it comes out. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 12. Verse uh, verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now, I'm sorry, folks, I'm going to have to back up a little bit here. Hold your finger here. We're going to come to 1 Corinthians 12, but I've got to back up to chapter 2. Because it's, um, well, I've had the Lord speaking to me about something for two weeks, and uh, and I'm not exactly sure how to get it out. So let's start in chapter 2. I'm going to read down through some uh, some verses here, beginning in verse 1. It says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Paul wasn't trying to impress anybody. And I, I, I apologize if it seems that I'm disjointed this morning. I know what's in my heart. I just don't know how to, I don't know how to get two weeks out to you. Um, I think a lot of times we mess up because we're trying to impress people. I know I've, I've got to be the world's worst at that. I, um, I'm concerned about how things appear, too concerned about how things appear. And as a result, it, uh, it affects some things that, uh, that God sometimes wants to do because I'm trying to make it look right rather than just do what God says to do. I, I always intend to get there, but very often I wind up getting there my way than his, more than his way. And as a result, it diminishes the power. And, um, Paul wasn't like that. And Paul's telling the people he wasn't like that. He said, when I came to you, I wasn't trying to impress you. I wasn't trying to impress you with my ability to speak. Well, what preacher doesn't want people to think he can speak well? But he said, I wasn't. I didn't come to you with excellency of speech or earthly wisdom. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus and him crucified. Now, is he saying I didn't preach anything except Jesus went to the cross? Is that what he means by this? Does he mean when I was with you, I, I made sure not to tell you anything except Jesus died on the cross? Well, if that's all he told them, how could they grow? He was with them for, for at least six months, maybe longer, the first time that he was there. He's not saying that he only taught them about Jesus going to the cross. He's saying, I made sure to tell you nothing other than what belongs to you because Jesus went to the cross. I didn't try to mix in the world's stuff with it, which means a lot of people can. So he said, and I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. This word demonstration means manifestation. I was with you 
not with what the world considers power or smartness or, or, or intellectual elitism or fancy words or anything like that. He said, I was determined not to do anything except to manifest the Spirit of God and His power so that, verse 5, your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Now, folks, stop and think about what that means. That means the church can have faith in the wisdom of men rather than God. We read this in a religious context and we think, oh, wasn't Paul great? He wanted them just to believe in the power of God. But he's saying, here's how to get there. He's saying, if you talk about man's stuff, then you'll have faith in the wisdom of men. But if you only focus on the manifestation of the Spirit and the Spirit's power, which he said he did by preaching only those things that relate to Jesus and his crucifixion, and the redemption of, the plan of redemption, in other words, finished and consummated by the cross of Jesus. He's saying that's what causes us to have faith in the power of God. And that's where our faith ought to be. Now you tell me, where's the church's faith today? In the wisdom of men or in the power of God? Well, my goodness, it seems to me like most of the American church is arguing away the power of God. So you can't be believing in it if you're if you're trying to argue it away or make excuses for why we don't have it. He goes further and he says, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Now, perfect just means those that have been saved, those that have been made complete in Christ. We do speak wisdom among the saved, the born again, the children of God, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. There is a wisdom of the world. There is a wisdom that that uh, it results as a uh, that comes as a result of this world system that's controlled by the devil, but it'll come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. He's saying there's a wisdom that's not easily found. You got to dig for it. It's a mystery. A mystery is something where you don't know all the pieces until the end. He's saying it's something that you can find out. It's something you can discover, but you're going to have to dig to get it. He said, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. In other words, God wants you to find it. He wants you to find it. Now, what are we finding out from what Paul has said? We found out that God wants your faith to be in his power, and he wants you to have his wisdom. Because that wisdom, when found, brings glorious results. Which none of the princes of this world knew. The wisdom of God was hidden from the beginning, hidden from the princes of this world. That means mankind as well as the evil spirits that rule behind their, behind the scenes. Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Now, folks, if you want to summarize verse 9, here's what it means. It means God wants better for you than you've ever imagined for yourself. Now, I don't know what that means specifically in your case, but basically the sky's the limit. Well, that's good, Pastor Mike, but we got to live down here. How are we going to find this stuff out? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse 10, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. They've been hidden from the beginning of the world. They were hidden before Jesus was crucified. 
But now God has revealed them unto us by his spirit, for his spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now, a lot of times people want to get focused on the deep things of God. I would submit to you that anything of God is deep. I would submit to you the fact that Jesus is the Son of God is deep. What the church considers basic stuff is way deeper than you've ever figured out. So rather than get caught into the deep things of God, let's just accept the fact that everything of God is deep. Well, how are you going to get into the deep things of God? There's only one way, and Paul just told you in verse 10, and that is by revelation. By what the Spirit of God reveals. Now, what does reveal mean? Well, reveal, if you look the word up, it means to uncover. The picture is something that's covered. You take the cover off and everybody can see it clearly. But more specifically than that, it means something that you come into the knowledge of. When you heard Jesus preached, you came to the knowledge inside. I'm not talking about from your head. You heard it in your head. You heard it through your ears. Your, your mind processed the information about Jesus coming to the earth and dying on the cross and so forth, however it was preached to you, however you heard it. That processed in your mind, but somewhere, even after that mental process, a revelation, something happened inside to where you knew there was knowledge. You knew that what you were hearing is true. And that knowledge was what you acted on to give Jesus lordship of your life. That's what revelation is. Revelation is coming to the knowledge of something. Now, folks, Jesus was the Son of God before you found out about it. Nothing changed. You just became conscious of the truth. Now, stop and think about what that means. That means our Christian consciousness. Let me let that phrase sink in a little bit. Our Christian consciousness, what we are conscious of as believers, as children of God, what we are conscious of will dictate what truth manifests in our life. For example, you got it's true. The Bible says so. It's absolutely true that Jesus died for your sins and he paid the price for sickness. Same verse, Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. It talks about sins. It talks about sicknesses. It talks about the chastisement of our peace. That means poverty. He took poverty upon himself too. It says he did all three in the same verse. You can't take two of those, sickness and poverty, out and say, well, yeah, he died for our sins. He didn't just die for our sins. He died for our sins. He died for our sicknesses. He died for our lack of provision. The Bible says so. That's truth. Now, not everybody has the revelation of that. It's true for everybody, but not everybody accepts it. Not everybody has become conscious of it. Not everybody has had that revelation, meaning the knowledge of that becoming real to them, so they just stick with the sins part. And their lack of consciousness of the truth concerning healing and poverty, or provision, whichever way you want to say it, what Jesus did concerning sickness and concerning poverty, the lack of consciousness keeps them out of the truth of what belongs to them. That's why revelation is such a key. Because if you're not conscious of it, if you're not knowledgeable of what is true for you, you'll never walk in it. 
chapter 12. Paul, writing later to this same group, says, now I know something, I want to make sure you know it too. Verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. He's very simply saying, you can be ignorant. A lot of people are ignorant, but I don't want you to be ignorant. I'm not ignorant, so let me tell you so you won't be ignorant either. I would submit to you that since this is an issue of such controversy and confusion and, well, arguing over the issue of the manifestation of the Spirit or what is commonly called spiritual gifts, I would submit to you that a lot of people are ignorant, unnecessarily, but ignorant nevertheless, of spiritual gifts, what are known as spiritual gifts. Notice gifts, if you're reading in the King James, notice the word gifts in verse 1 is in italics. That means the translators added it. It's not in that verse. He's saying literally now concerning spirituals. The word spiritual is plural. Now concerning spirituals, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Well, that doesn't make sense to us. What are spirituals? If he just said now concerning spirituals, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. If the translators leave it like that, They understood that people, that's not a common way of speech in the time that they translated the Bible. So they know that if they leave it like that, everybody's going to be confused. And the whole purpose for Paul writing this is so that people aren't confused or ignorant. Right? So they're trying to explain it to us. And so what did they do? They put a word in there called gifts. And so everybody thinks, therefore, these things are gifts. They're not. Spirituals, plural. The word spirituals means things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost. He's literally writing to them, now concerning things pertaining to and of the Holy Ghost, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. God does not want you, if the Holy Ghost inspired Paul to write this, I believe he did. If he didn't, let's tear this page out. But if the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this, then the Holy Spirit is saying, by the will of God, the Holy Spirit is saying, I don't want you ignorant about me or the things that are mine, the things that are from me. Here's a personal message from the Holy Spirit through Paul to you, the church, saying, here's what I want you to know about me. If we stopped and went around the room and just asked people things, it would take too long. We're not going to do it. Don't get afraid here. It'd take too long, and it would be embarrassing. If we stopped and tried to find out from everybody, what do you know about the Holy Spirit? By the end of the day, we'd have people saying the same two or three things in the whole room. Because by and large, the church is ignorant of the Holy Spirit. And here's the Holy Spirit saying, I don't want you to be ignorant about me. I want you to know who I am. I want you to know what's mine. I want you to know what I do, how I operate. I want you to know. Now, why would he want us to know? Now, concerning things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. You knew that you know that you were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols. Now, Corinth was one of the most uh, idolatrous cities that Paul ever went to. There were idols everywhere. There were temples everywhere. It was it was a mess. Corinth was the New York City or the the, the Las Vegas or the the Los Angeles of the, of their day. I mean, it was anything and everything was available. It was known throughout the world as anything goes. And as a result, there was all kinds of uh, idol worship. There was all kinds of temple worship. And you need to realize, folks, in these days, 
people went to temples of uh, uh, temples to worship idols, and they didn't go into temples and say, "Oh, we love you, Baal." Oh, we love you, Balak, or, or this kind of stuff. He, that, that's not what temple worship was. They'd go into these temples and have sex. They'd go into these temples and have sexual rituals, which you can understand for people that are operating by the flesh is kind of a draw. And as a result... This is what drew people in. They salved their conscience. They said, now you're okay with this God. Now, if you want to be okay with that God, go down there and have sex in his temple. Okay. Let's make sure we don't offend any of them. And that's what was going on in these in these cities, in these uh, in in some of the cities at least. Corinth was one of these cities. So when the Holy Ghost says, "You know, you are Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols," that's what He's talking about. You remember how you used to live, and you knew that it never satisfied anything on the inside of you. It never made any difference. You were operating in the flesh, and it never brought any blessing into your life whatsoever. That's what He's saying. You know how that you were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Simply put, the Holy Ghost is saying, if I inspire somebody to say something, it's going to testify of Jesus and exalt him, and that's it. Furthermore, he's saying, you can't even legitimately say that Jesus is the Lord unless you've received the revelation of it in your heart by being born again. Now, that doesn't mean you can't mouth the words. Anybody can say, yeah, Jesus is Lord. But it doesn't have to be coming from their heart, does it? So what he's saying is, for somebody to really say it from their spirit, from their heart, from the real them, it comes because you find that out from within, act on it, and you become saved. That's the people that really know Jesus is Lord. Now, that's not always going to be the case. The Bible says there's coming a day where every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Saved and unsaved. There's coming a time when everybody's going to know. He's not saying that you can't say the words. He's saying you can't say them from within. You can't say them from your spirit, except that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. Hello. A lot of people have gone to extremes on this stuff. Good rule of thumb, folks, on, on Bible interpretation is if people go to extremes and get weird on stuff, that's not the right interpretation. Verse 4, now there are diversities of spirit. Now, uh, I'm sorry, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Remember, this is the Holy Ghost speaking through Paul. This is the Holy Ghost prompting Paul, or we'll say in a kind of a general way, telling Paul, tell the people this. So the Holy Spirit is saying, here's what I want you to tell them about me. What's he say? Now, there are diversities of, of gifts. This word gifts is not in italics. It's there. This word gifts means an endowment. It means a spectacular ability. He said there are diversities, differences of gifts. That means not all of them are going to be gifts. And some of them are gifts, and there are different kinds of gifts. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of administrations or ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh on and all. So what is the Holy Ghost saying about himself when he says he doesn't want us to be ignorant? He's saying there are gifts, there are ministries, and there are operations or means of delivery. 
But it's all God that works these things. In other words, don't even try to put me in a box. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. I, folks, i got to tell you, I saw something this last week, uh, or not this week, but the week before. Um, just woke up one morning and saw it. Minding my own business, just saw it. And what I saw was a lightning flash. And I thought, well, okay, lightning. Huh? It's cool. Been praying about lightnings. Zechariah 10.1 is, talks about lightning. He's been praying that for years. Okay, that's cool. And then, I, and then the Lord began to talk to me about some things. And he said this verse. He quoted this verse to me. Now, I'm laying in the dark. I see a lightning flash. I don't know if I dreamed it. I don't know. I, I, nobody else in the room saw the lightning flash, but they were asleep. So I don't know if they would have seen it or not. I don't know if it was visible. I don't know. I don't care. doesn't matter. I saw it. Saw the lightning flash, and then I heard this verse. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And I looked up the word manifestation, got up, went to the other room, looked up the word manifestation. And the word manifestation, I've done this a hundred times. I knew what it said already, but I thought, okay, let's look at it again. Looked up the word manifestation. It means appearing. The word manifestation means appearing. So he's saying, but the appearing of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And I thought, what does that have to do with a lightning flash? And then I saw it. As soon as I asked the question, I saw it instantly. You know what lightning is? Lightning is the appearance of electricity in the atmosphere. There's electricity in the atmosphere all the time. As a matter of fact, science is working to try to harness the electricity in the atmosphere as some kind of renewable energy thing. I don't know if they'll ever do anything with it or not, But it's proven, science has proven that there's electricity in the atmosphere all the time. What? What's that look for? Okay. Uh, Anyway, science has proven that there's electricity in the atmosphere. It's there all the time. They know it's there all the time. Well, what makes it appear? Lightning is the appearance of that electricity. What makes it appear? Water. Water vapor. Now, it's interesting to me, just me, but it's interesting to me that water is talked about by Jesus as a type of both the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. So if you spiritualize this, if you spiritualize this, and if it holds, if the illustration holds that Jesus gave us, then that means that the manifestation or the appearing of the Holy Ghost will work in an atmosphere where there's the Word and the presence of God, presence of the Holy Ghost. Now, here's what most of us seem to think, and I have to plead guilty to this. Most of us seem to think, I thought it was just me, and then, over, you know, pastoring for 27 years, I found out that it's not just me. It's the way most people think too, or seem to at least, that God is all-powerful. The Holy Ghost can do anything he wants to anytime he wants to. And boy, when Jesus was on the earth, the Holy Ghost wanted to do a lot. And then there are certain people that have special ministries, certain people, select and very rare, that God will use to do great signs and wonders just to let people know he's still alive. But outside of that, for the common folk, you know, like you and me, 
he's really not wanting to do too much. And so what we do, we the common folk, you and me, we take the word of God and we say, oh, wow. Look at the stuff Jesus did. Jesus said we'd do the same works, so we should be doing the same works. But we're going to have to have the Holy Ghost to help us because Jesus said he did those works by the Holy Ghost. And, you know, the Holy Ghost doesn't want to use all of us, so maybe one of us will be special. So what do we do? We try to be special. How does the church try to be special? We start talking about ourselves. Start talking about our own ministries. God's called me to do this. I have a special anointing. We talk about ourselves. Now, isn't that exactly what Paul said he didn't do in chapter 2? So that their faith would be in the in the demonstration. He, the only thing he did was the demonstration of the spirit and of power so that their faith would be in God and his power. So why are we operating exactly opposite from what Paul said he did so that their faith would be in the right thing? But that's commonly what the church does. Typical of what the church does. You've got one one part of the church that says, well, the power stuff doesn't work anymore. You know why they say the power stuff doesn't work anymore? Because they don't have it. You find somebody that's got the power, nobody's saying it doesn't work. The people that say that it doesn't work couldn't find the power of God if they tried. And they have. And so they've given up. And so they've come up with excuses. Well, here's why it doesn't work the way that it used to. The apostles died. Yeah, the world hung on them, didn't it? That's what everything was about, is those apostles. Well, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible is pretty clear on that. So what do the apostles have to do with anything? Jesus said, the work that I do shall you do also, and even greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my Father. He's not talking just to the apostles. He's talking about... Because his prayer in chapter 17 is not only for those that he gave him there on the earth at that time, but those that would believe on him because of the apostles. That's us. And he's praying that we'd have the same glory that he has. That means power. So it can't be just about the apostles. But the church makes excuses. Why do we make excuses? Because somebody hasn't found out how to make the power work. If only we had the power. Come on, God, give us the power. Guess what? He just said that he did. Notice verse 7 again. But the manifestation, the appearing of the Spirit of God is given to every man to profit with all. The word with all means for everyone. To profit for everyone. In other words, he's given the Spirit of God, the appearing of the Spirit of God, these different spiritual manifestations that are commonly called gifts, nine of them that he's going to describe in or name at least, list in the next few verses. He's given those things not for us to benefit ourselves with, but so that everybody would benefit from his appearing, from God's appearing, the Holy Spirit's appearing. Who did he give these appearances to? Every man. Now, does every man mean the special ones with a certain ministry? Does every man mean the rare occasion? Or does every man mean every man? Folks, I've looked these words up. It means every man. 
Do you know that that means that just as much as we could say that righteousness, because of the new birth, righteousness is given to every man? We can say, because of the new birth, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Just as much as we can say, because of the new birth, healing is given to every man. We could say, because of the new birth, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Just as much as we could say, because of the new birth, because of the plan of redemption of Jesus, through Jesus, prosperity, provision, whatever you want to name it, is given to every man, we can say, because of the new birth, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. You can't take any of the, I've mentioned four things, righteousness, healing, provision, and the manifestation of the Spirit. You can't take any of those four things away. Scripturally, you can't take any of those four things away from any Christian. Now, just because they're yours doesn't mean they're going to work. you got to work them. Just because you've been made righteous doesn't mean you're going to live righteous. you got to accept that and appropriate that by faith and then walk in it. Just because you've been made healed, just because healing's been provided, doesn't mean you're going to walk in healing. You've got to appropriate that. You've got to take it by faith and exercise it by faith. Just because you've been provided for, because Jesus was made poor for your sake, doesn't mean you're going to operate in provision or blessing. You've got to appropriate that by faith and walk in it. And just because the manifestation of the Spirit's been given to every man doesn't mean it's going to work automatically for you. You've got to accept it by faith and appropriate it and walk in it. You've got something to do with this. Just like all the others. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Now he gives us the list. He says that the list begins with verse 8. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith, or as the Amplified says, I like it this way, special faith. The reason it's special faith is because every man has ordinary faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. He's talking about a manifestation of the Spirit. To another special faith by the same Spirit. To another the gifts of healings. Now in the original text, both gifts and healings are in the plural. A multitude of gifts for a multiplicity of healings. Now why is gifts in the plural? I think because there are a multitude of diseases. I can't exactly prove it by the Bible, but you can't disprove it. So that's my theory. And that's all it is. You know what a theory is, don't you? Brother Hagin defined a theory as a supposition based upon ignorance of the subject under discussion. <laughs> well, I'm hoping my theory is a little better than that, but nevertheless, I can't prove it. But to another, get the gifts of healings. By the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but all these work. Thank God they all work. Now, remember, when we started, the Holy Ghost is saying, Paul, tell them about the, tell them this about me so they're not ignorant. Here's what I want them to know about me. Here's what I want you to tell them about me and what comes from me so that they'll know how to operate with me. That's what the Holy Ghost is doing in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. It's the Holy Ghost saying, here's what I want you to know about me. So what does the Holy Ghost want you to know about him? After you find out the list of these nine things, he says, I want you to know these all things, all these things work. All these worketh. That one and self same spirit dividing to every man. Now folks, if the Holy Ghost is saying it twice, he must mean it. 
dividing to every man severally as he will. Now, the word severally, I used to think the word severally means more than one. Now, the, in theory, in theory, that's true because we see many times in Bible examples where these gifts or manifestations of the Spirit operate, there's more than one in operation. They work hand in hand. They work together. It's kind of like the fingers of your hand. You can identify the fingers of your hand individually, but your hand works with all of them together, or many times several together, and, and so forth. That's the way it seems that the Spirit works, manifestation of the Spirit works. So severally can mean something along with that, more than one. But that's really not the meaning of the word. The meaning of the word is specifically. But the manif- but all these worketh, that one and self-same Spirit, dividing to every man specifically as he wills. Oh, yeah, there we are. As he wills. That little phrase, as he wills. That kicks the whole thing out of our realm of acceptance. That kicks it right back to, well, it's how God wants it to be. You know, whatever God wants. Well, apply that to your righteousness. Whatever God wants. And see how righteous you walk in life. Apply that to healing and see how many times you receive. Apply that to your provision and see how well that works for you. The reality is God's already made his will known by providing those things to you. And so you have to accept them, take them, appropriate them by faith and seize hold of them. In the same way, you've got to do that with the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Why? These things work as he wills. You can't force God to manifest the Holy Ghost. How's that going to happen? You just can't do it. Well, notice it says as he wills. But all these work at that one and self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally or specifically as he wills. The word wills means as he is disposed to. Yeah, well, if we could just get God disposed. Now, when Jesus was here, he was disposed to. He was disposed to manifest himself. That's what it means. When he's disposed to do something, it means he wills to do something. Well, Psalm 145, verse 8 says this. It says the Lord, and it means just the Lord in general, means the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, because they don't have three different wills. There's only one will of God. So when it says the Lord, it means the will of the Lord. It says the Lord is gracious and full of full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The word gracious means disposed to show favors. So if the Bible is true, all these worketh, all these manifestations of the Spirit, all these appearances of the Holy Ghost work according to that self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally or specifically because he's disposed to show favors. In other words, the Holy Ghost didn't hold him back. Now, here's what I want you to see. And here's something the Lord has really been dealing with me about. And i got to tell you something, folks. I, I, well, to borrow a phrase from Brother Hagin, if I can say this humbly, don't know if I can, but if I can say this humbly, I'll change every doctrine I've got to fit the truth. I don't care about what I think. I don't care how long I've thought it. I don't care about what I've taught. If I find something's true, I'm going to go with the truth. And I've got to change some of my thinking about this because I have always come from the approach that you can't make God do anything. That's true. There's no question about it. That's true. However, we get to the place where we just lay back and become passive about things because here the Bible says God specifically gives you a manifestation of the Spirit to profit everybody.
That means one of these things on the list of nine, you've got. There may be more than one. It may be something that God will use people individually in different ways. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, I don't, talking about the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. He said, I don't know if it's better for us to, to have one gift of the Spirit. He called them gifts of the Spirit. He said, I don't know if it's better for us to have one gift of the Spirit and know about it or just be so open to God that He can do whatever He wants to us, to, through us whenever. Okay, well, I've always followed that approach. I thought, yeah, okay, let's just be open to God and, and whatever He wants to do. But there's a problem with that. And that is you're not actively operating faith according to what God's given you if you do that. Now, I'm not saying we ought to say, okay, Lord, I'm, here's the list. Here's the one I want. You don't get to pick. But if the Bible is true, now you decide for yourself. But if the Bible is true, one of these things is yours. Just as much as righteousness is yours, just as much as healing is yours, just as much as prosperity is yours. One of these is yours because they're given to every man. One of these is yours. Well, Pastor Mike, I've been saved forever. If one of these is mine, how come I don't know it? Because you're not using it. This is not for you to sit in your bedroom and say, okay, word of knowledge, here's what's going to happen, or here's what I want to know, word of wisdom, here's the future, Prophecy, I'll speak to myself. You're so blessed. You're so loved. God loves you. (laughs) But that's what happens so often with these spiritual things. People try to use them for their own benefit. They're not for your benefit. Now, folks, let me tell you, there's a public side, a private side, the Holy Ghost. Every one of these lists of nine, these are the public side. Every one of these has a corresponding private operation of the Holy Ghost that already belongs to you because you're a child of God. For example, the Holy Ghost, Jesus said the Holy Ghost will show you things to come. As a believer, he'll show you things to come. The inward witness, you'll know things to come. That's the word of wisdom. There's a private side. There's a private side to to, uh, tongues interpretation. You can pray in tongues and interpret for yourself. In your own private life, in your own private prayer time. That's not a public ministry. Public ministry is something that God gives you. You don't get to pick. He gives you because he gives it to you. Prophecy is the same way. A lot of times people think they're prophesying about everything in the world. Well, most of the time they're just saying whatever they think they want to happen. It's different. You can prophesy. Paul said everybody can prophesy. He said in chapter 14, verse 30, I think it is, he said everybody can prophesy. Well, if everybody can prophesy, what's the big deal? Because he's talking about the private side of it. Just like everybody can speak in tongues, that's the private side of it. But these, this list is talking about the public side of it. God gives you one of these so that you can benefit everybody. Now, he goes further and says, talks about the body of Christ. He says, for, where are we? Verse 12. For as the body is one, as many members, and all the members of that one body being many or one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, etc., etc. Then he starts talking about it. If the foot says to the hand, uh, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it not therefore the body? In other words, he's saying everybody's got a different purpose. Everybody's got a different purpose. Everybody's got a different purpose. In other words, the Holy Ghost gives a manifestation of the spirit to everyone for a different purpose. But everyone has one. I, uh, a couple of days before I left town, I got a, um, um, email testimony about somebody that was healing in healing school. Apparently it was a friend of somebody here in the church 
and uh, they found out that they had had a stroke. And so they, they called them and in, encouraged them in the Word and, and started ministering to them, told them about what the Word said, and then told them about healing school. And so the, this, uh, this person came to healing school. So they had a stroke. Let's see, there were three things. They had a stroke. They had um, an abnormal blood condition and kidney failure. Now, Tono, if I get this, if I mess this up, straighten me out, okay? So anyway, this person came to healing school. Well, they're in a wheelchair because they can't walk from the stroke. And so I don't know what we were ministering on that night, but uh, but anyway, we were uh, we were teaching on the healing, teaching the word, something something or other. And then after the service, I, and I remember this guy uh, from the from the testimony. I remember this guy. I said uh, after the service, I said, "No, there's somebody here that's having kidney problems." Well, the guy in a wheelchair comes down to the front, and I remember this is why I remember this guy because it struck me so odd. I thought you're in a wheelchair and kidney problems is what God shows me. Seriously? I'm thinking as he's rolling down the aisle, I'm thinking, Lord, are you kidding me? Kidney problems? So I thought, well, okay, whatever. Laid hands on him. Long story short, he winds up getting out of the wheelchair. Blood condition clears up. Kidney problems are are cleared up. He's fine. He's walking around. He's completely healed. Thank God healing works. Now, that's a manifestation of a word of knowledge. Word of knowledge is past and present things. It's knowledge of things past and things present. You can't have knowledge of the future, but a word of wisdom will show you things to come. That's the difference between a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom. So I had a word of knowledge about somebody in the, in the congregation having kidney problems. So he came down and wound up getting healed. I don't know how long it took. I don't know if it was overnight. I didn't get that information. But it wasn't, uh, wasn't a real long period of time between, uh, between when it happened and the testimony came in. Now let me ask you a question. Does that mean I have word of knowledge operating in me all the time? I don't know. I don't yet know. I'm just finding out some of these things, folks. I've just come to the place where the Lord is challenging me on some things. Now, I've got to tell you, there are times where I know the word of knowledge is operating when I'm teaching. And you never know it because I never stop and say, the Lord shows me this. But I know that when I'm talking, when I'm preaching, when I'm ministering on something, I'll know. Sometimes I'll hear it. Sometimes I'll see it like words coming out of somebody's head. I'll see the question that they have. There's, there's been a couple of different ways, diversities of operations. It works a couple of different ways. There have been times where I've been looking over the crowd and I'll see a question mark hang over somebody's head. First time I saw that, it freaked me out. <laughs> Thinking somebody's holding up a sign out there. Who gave those out? And then as soon as I saw it, instantly I knew what their question was. And so I answered the question. They came up to me after the service. They said, Pastor Mike, when you said that, it was exactly the question I had. I said, oh, really? Was it? I don't see Jesus operating very often where he's telling people what God's telling him. I just see where it says he knew or he perceived their thoughts and then he answered them. So I try to follow that example. Because I'm not trying to draw attention to me or the Holy Ghost or anything else. The Holy Ghost is not trying to draw attention to himself. I just try to draw attention to the truth of the word or Jesus, whichever the case may be. And it works different ways. Does that mean I have it all the time? There are times where I don't have a word of knowledge that I really wish I did. So I don't know that that's mine. But let me ask you this. Did the word of knowledge heal this guy that was in the wheelchair? Well, if it did, why did the Lord have me come down there? Why didn't he just tell me there's somebody here that's got a, that got kidney problems, receive your healing? But instead, he told me, or it was impressed upon me, there's somebody here that's got a kidney problem, come down here and I'll lay hands on you. 
Healing came, in my estimation, in my understanding, healing came through the laying on of hands. But that's not the only way that healing comes where a word of knowledge is concerned. I've seen people and known of people where they'll just say, the Lord shows me that somebody's got such and such a problem, receive your healing, and they receive their healing right where they were, and nobody ever touches them. Diversity of operations. Things can work in different ways, but the whole point is so that everybody is blessed in some way or another. Because if somebody gets healed, that means the body of Christ is helped in some way. But what about gifts of healings? You know as well as I do that if all healing came through the word of knowledge, we wouldn't need gifts of healings. Gifts of healings are operations or manifestations of the Holy Ghost whereby somebody is recovered from a diseased condition. And it may be, as I said, in my, my thinking, at least in my experience, it seems that there might be one gift of healing for blindness and another gift of healing where deafness or something else is concerned. Maybe that's why there's a plurality of gifts of healings. I don't know. Now, um, every vacation I can remember, I've gotten some kind of revelation. I like vacations. Now, by that, I don't necessarily mean it's changed my life. It don't mean it's changed my ministry. But God shows me something when I get away. And, and folks, um, for me, I've got to get out of I've got to get out of a geographical territory. I don't know why that is. It's a spiritual thing. If I if I go from here down to Dana Point, uh, it doesn't do me any good. I'm still in the geographical territory that I have responsibility. But if I get out of got to get out of a certain geographical boundary, then I can relax because I don't have any responsibility. Somebody else is in charge. That's why vacations are good for me. That's why we go where we go, and we set that. We've already made reservations for the next year. I make sure that that happens because I need that. I can stay home and not preach, and it won't do me any good at all because I still have the same responsibility in the geographical territory. So I can't remember the last vacation I had that I didn't get some kind of revelation. Well, I got a revelation this time. It was a different revelation. While I was on vacation, we were still plugged in electronically. And in two weeks, I had three different ministers post something on Facebook that uh, brought me information I didn't have. The first was, uh, the first was a day or two after we left, a pastor, minister, posted about the success they were having with their feeding the poor in their area. And then he concluded by saying, if you're not feeding the poor in your city, you're not a real church. Okay. The second came a few days later where another minister was uh, touting the success that they had in their street evangelism ministry. And he said, if you're not reaching the lost by preaching on the street corners in your city, you're not after what God cares about and you're not a real church. Okay. Then a few days later, I saw the where a ministry had some kind of big thing concerning orphans. And their work concerning the orphans. And he declared, or he, he's not the one that posted it, but somebody else posted it. If you don't care about orphans, you're not doing the work of God and you're not a real church. Well, folks, we give to the poor, but we don't have a feed the, feed the hungry thing. We get people say, but we, I'm not too big on going and standing on the street corner. And we support orphanages, but we don't really make that a focus of our ministry. So I need to apologize to you. I thought we were a church.
I had to go on vacation and find out we're not a real church. Isn't that exactly what Paul's talking about here later on in the chapter? If the, if the, uh, let me read this. Verse 15. He said, if the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, is it not therefore of the body? And if the ear shall say, behold, I am not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it not therefore of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole book were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God has set the members in, everyone in the body, as it pleased him. Isn't that the same thing as if the Feed the Hungry Church says to the church that's not feeding the hungry, and what about the guy with the kidney problem? Man, I'm glad he didn't know we were not a real church. <sighs> Gee. But now the word's out. How is anybody going to get helped? Where are they going to go? Isn't it the same thing as the church saying, if you're not doing what we're doing, you're not a real church? That's what we have a natural tendency to do. Now, folks, i got to tell you something. I don't have anything against the church that's feeding the hungry, the church that's witnessing on the streets, or the church that's doing the orphan stuff. I, great. That's fine. I'm, I'm all for that. But I can't afford to say they're not part of a real church. And here's why. Because the manifestation of the Spirit works by love. Because it has to have a foundation of love. I can't stand here and say, you're not a real church because you don't believe in healing. Now, I may say, Jesus may have a question or two for you about your position on healing, when you get there, but that's between you and him. But I can't say you're not really part of the church because you don't preach healing and have healing school and, and minister to the sick like we do. I can't do that because if I do that, I shut down the Holy Ghost and whatever he wants to do. Now, other people can do that with me and and, and it seems to work great for them. Doesn't seem to bother them at all. But we can't do that. That's why chapter 12 which talks about the manifestation of the Spirit, chapter 14, which talks about the operation of the Spirit, is, is surrounded, is surrounding chapter 13, which talks about the love of God. We've got to walk in love on this. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Which one's yours? To profit with all, to benefit everybody. Do you realize that if you don't find out what's yours and use it, you're cheating the rest of us? Now, you can't say, well, they don't all work because chapter, uh, what is it, verse uh, 12? No, verse 11 says that they all still work. But all these work. All these work. That would have to mean, that would have to mean, if God puts these in the church as it pleases him, that would have to mean that every congregation is going to have at least one person that's operating in all nine of these things. Or else the rest of us are being cheated by something that the Holy Ghost can do and isn't able to express himself. Let me close with this. Zechariah chapter 10. This is a verse we've been praying for years. Verse 1. Zechariah 10, 1. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds. That word bright clouds or phrase bright cloud means lightnings. Many other translations translate it as lightnings. So the Lord shall make lightnings. What does that mean? To me, that means manifestations of the Holy Ghost. Manifestations of his power. Ask of the Lord rain. Rain is always used as a type of the Holy Ghost. Rain is connected with lightning. Rain is the water of the Spirit. 
Ask of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds or lightnings and give them showers of rain to everyone to produce for everyone grass in the field. That's the precious fruit of the earth. That's people. So I guess the point of my message this morning is this. There is a manifestation of the Spirit listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that belongs to you. You have a responsibility to find out what it is and use it. Or else you're going to be in the same boat as somebody else that preaches against healing. You're going to have some answers. You're going to have some questions to answer when you get to heaven. You're going to have to answer to the Lord, why didn't you use what I gave you? You can't say now you didn't know. There's something that God has for you to do, not for me to do. Not And, and folks, there is no manifestation of the Spirit for you to come tell me what I'm supposed to do. That is not a spiritual gift. Some people seem to be convinced that that works, the Holy Ghost works that way, but that's not one of the nine. But you've got something you're responsible to do for God. To utilize for God. There is a way that the Holy Spirit will uh, will appear in your life to benefit the body of Christ. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. To profit everybody. And all these, all these list of nine, work by the self-same Spirit. Different ways, different ministries, different uh, manifestations... But they all work by the self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally or specifically because he's disposed to show favors. No excuses anymore. For you, for me, for anybody else. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that every time we come, now that we're going to have tongues and interpretation and prophecy and all this other kind of stuff? I don't know. Paul wasn't using tongues and interpretation very much. In a public context, he spoke in tongues more than everybody else, but publicly he spoke by words that people could understand. God used him more in a teaching ministry and so forth, speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost in a language that people could understand. So I'm not looking for something to happen. I'm not looking for some, I don't have some kind of criteria for, okay, now that means this. What I'm looking for now is for you to come back and say, wow, let me tell you what happened on the job. Truly, I'm not looking for you to manifest what the Holy Ghost is giving you in here so much as I am out there. There's a lot more people that need it out there than the people that need it in here. We're trying to teach the people in here how to get what they need from God. If God needs to, to do something by a manifestation of the Spirit on top of that, then great, that's fine. But it's for everybody to profit. But the, remember, Zechariah 10.1 says the lightnings of God will bring grass in the field. It didn't say it'll shock the grass that's already there. We're trying to use spiritual manifestations to benefit ourselves. That's not what it's for. It's to benefit the world, to show the world that Jesus is risen. Amen? Which one of these is yours? I just had a shudder of fear. You know why? Because I could see some people taking the list saying, I want that one. Well, good luck with that. 
it's not about what you choose. It's about what God's chosen you for. So let me encourage you to start here. Let me encourage you to start by starting to pray and say, Lord, your word says that one of these, at least one of these belongs to me. You're going to have to show me. If I don't already know, you're going to have to show me. And you're going to have to show me how to use it. Teach me, Holy Spirit. Didn't Jesus say one of the works of the Holy Spirit is that he'd teach you? He'd guide you. He'd teach you about the things of him? Sure. Rely on him to be your teacher. Give him opportunities to manifest. What that usually means for us is slow down. Slow down enough to see, Lord, is there anything here for me to do? And if there is something... If there is that still small voice, if there is that still small something or other, let me encourage you, don't jump out there and say, God told me to do this. I've found better success when you say, you know, I just seem to be impressed to do this. Would that be all right? Most time people are open to that. That way, if it is God, he gets the glory. If you've missed it, you missed it trying. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Jesus, you said it was better for us that you go away. Because if you didn't go away, then the Holy Spirit could not come. You considered it more profitable for us to live in a redeemed state as we do today being made righteous, walking in the healing of God, walking in your provision with the manifestation of the Spirit upon us. Father, we've been looking many times at least, many of us at least, have been looking for supernatural events. But we've got the greater one instead. Because the greater one lives in us, Because your word says that these manifestations are given to every one of us. We ask you to reveal to us what's our place. What's our part? How would you use us, Holy Spirit? You don't want us to be ignorant about you, who you are or what you how you operate. What things are from you. So show us. Not to draw attention to ourselves. Uh, so that we can claim some gift or some power because it's all of you. Reveal to us, Lord. Reveal. Uncover. Make us conscious of the greater one within. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now, Father, we ask for boldness. That we may speak your word and that we may utilize those things that you've given us. We ask for boldness. By you stretching forth your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders would be done in the name of the Lord Jesus. Make us, Father, a sign and wonders people. Not a signs and wonders church. A signs and wonders people. We're signs and wonders are a part of our lives, not just our services. Make us a people, Father, 
to take the power of God to the world rather than try to create some power source here when we're together. Teach us, Holy Spirit. We need your help. You are our helper. We need your help in this regard. I ask you to teach and instruct, to impress and to guide each and every one of the people that make this church their home. That you would reveal to them what belongs to them, what manifestation of the Spirit you have divided specifically to them. And show them how it operates, Father. Show them how to utilize and cooperate with you. That supernatural thing that identifies that they are of you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Let's all stand. Folks, I take every service seriously. (laughs) A lot of people think I'm way too serious. Um, But there are certain, um, I'm not sure what word to use. Um, For lack of a better word, this is the only one that comes to mind. There are certain landmark services that we've had throughout the years. This is a landmark service. It may not be the best preaching you've ever heard. If If it's not, don't tell me. But that's not really what it's about. It's about something that changes direction or adds to what we're already doing or or something that creates a greater presence of God, greater equipment. I don't know how else to describe it. This is a landmark service. I hope it's a landmark in your life. It should be a landmark in your life. Because if it is, then that will make it a change for our church too. Amen. Amen. Well, come on back and be with us tonight at 5 for a prayer school if you can. 6 o'clock, ceiling school. If not, have a great day and a great week. We love you. You're dismissed.